Welcome back to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hello. And Mike Connolly. Hello. And recurring all-star guest, Chris Sienko. Hi. Yay. It almost just feels like you're just on the podcast now. <laughs> you've, been telepo- yeah. you've been teleporting out here so much recently. <laughs> if yeah. I'm being honest, I think that was his goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You were. This I, is, I, this I is my plan so. for domination. Using yeah. all your teleportation tokens. That's great. Yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs> then, d- never never a certainty that the timeline's not going to close, so I think right. I better do it now. <laughs> exactly. Look, I'm going to say it right now. I know you've been, you're, I think now our most, you've done the most episodes with us. We're not going to rename this as loud as podcastable. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. How cute. Yeah. As podcast as possible. <laughs> Actually, when when there was that was one idea when we were joking about different names to do like an incapacitance incapacitacast would have been yeah incapacitacast. But I think someone came up with as podcast as possible. That's I can't remember who good. it was, but someone came up with that one. I thought yeah. that was really good. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> Lots of options. And uh, Chris teleported with a treasure trove of triple R taste test cassettes. And if you don't know what these are, we're right there with you. Welcome to the club. I'd never seen them before today. Uh, Ron Lassard of Records would make these compilation mixtapes uh, to sample what was in the catalog. It's literally. Uh, what two minute snippet of releases from the catalog that were done alphabetically once a year? Yep, as far mm-hmm. as I know, 1991-1992-1993-10-volumes-per-year-alphabetically-the-best-organizational-system-alphabetically-the-best-organizational-system-alphabetically-the-best-organizational-system-alphabetically-the-best-organizational-system-alphabetically-the-best-organizational-system-al
no information. Impenetrable, yeah. yeah. If you don't know what Art, you're looking for, you don't know what you're looking for. Artist title at, format price, artist title format price, artist title format price, again and again, maybe divided by what record label it was, none of which I had ever heard of. And so you're going through 8, 10, 12 pages of this going, I don't recognize, I don't know what any of this is. I don't have a lot of money. Records were, you know, the, the difference in price was anywhere from $3 for a cassette to $40 for like certain French electroacoustic mm-hmm. records. And in 91 like, money, wow, like, that's expensive. What, what, is, it, is this what grownups do? They spend $40 on a red? Now, yes, that's what they do. But <laughs> <laughs> But so, uh, you know, I I don't remember if my first catalog was 91 or 92, but uh, I know for sure 92 at at like one of the last pages of the catalog, it was a full page of it. And it said RRR taste test cassettes. And he had all 10 cassettes listed with like the the, he typed out the listings of what's on all of them. The tapes were two dollars each. So this is Mm. roughly a C46, I think. Uh, Each side is 20. 20 different artists, two minute samples, uh, you know, and again, I looked through the whole thing. I'm like, I don't recognize a single name. So in 92, I, you know, I, I think I had maybe $20 to spend on the whole catalog. So I bought maybe the AMK tape, a couple of like cheap RRR titles and three of the 10 volumes of the 92 tape. I get it. And so first of all, I'm like, well, at least I'm going to hear some new stuff. But yeah. the part where, yeah, that, that blows your mind the first time you put the first tape in and the 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 country loop from the RR100 loop record is playing in the background and then you hear Ron say you know RRR taste test cassette volume 1 and he starts with ABGS which is a cranial class spin off and it's you know it's immediately that sort of like industrial percussion and then you get 2 minutes of that then you get 2 minutes of against 2 minutes of AMK 2 minutes of anenza failure and it, not only are you hearing all this amazing stuff, but because Ron's pronouncing it for you, you feel like you're going into the world, like you're getting this guide that's, you know, you, you feel a little less sort of like you're sort of like an outsider. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it not only gives you lots and lots of options to think about, but it makes you it sort of like brings you into this entire world. And, you know, if you know, if you're willing to put down twenty dollars, you can hear two hundred. 200 two minute samples of things that are in his in his record store for that year. So obviously in 93 I bought all 10 volumes. This has to happen, you know. It's so cool. I mean, what I love co- it. and because we do always talk about the how you never knew what anything was in the catalog when you first got it. What a what a brilliant way to It's a flawless way you hear it and then you know if you want to check it out and you can buy the release that that's from, or you can get something else by the project, or you know, you it would just put you onto stuff. I think, and and it's really great. And it's great for things that don't have like totally extreme titles, like Smell and Quim. You're definitely just gonna like get into well, like you someone's know? name or something yeah. like that. Yeah. You may not. The one, you can see the check marks in here. The, the, <gasps> I, you know, oh, I, yeah. like that's okay, I want great. this. I want this. I want this. Oh, can <laughs> I see that? Let's pass it around. I was gonna say, you said you you hear Smell and Quim, and you immediately get into it. The first time I heard the smell and quim sample on there it terrified me beyond words and i could not listen to it for years uh, 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 you were like tokyo May- anal dynamite check that, yeah tokyo anal dynamite was Classic. one i listened to that in my yeah. car while i was driving one day and i had to pull the car over because it was i mean it just sounded like the world was ending. <laughs> wow and d- didn't get the Hafler trio though no, Pat, no. <laughs> well that's i mean that's that's a favorite album now kill the king but oh, yeah. cassette fidelity of it like it just you don't get a sense of like the depth of that record hearing and that's one of the downsides of it just heads like, up everybody chris was not looking at the sheet when he said kill the king he knew oh, exactly yeah. <laughs> what i was talking about on there uh, and this is funny because when we were listening to the taste test in the living room I, I, I was saying like i can't imagine driving around in your car listening to this like it would be amazing to just be like oh okay and then yeah. you hear ron like come on <laughs> and then zephalia <laughs> I, I used to put samples samples of that on, on people's mixtapes like it just was it, it just like this is a way to sort of like bring people into this world or just here's a here's a t- two minutes of a cool thing you know i'm looking at uh, the RR Taste Test 1992 Volume 4 and uh, the Insect record that Ryan Martin was referencing. Uh, this yeah. Yeah. This one. This is, yep. yeah, uh, this is so cool to see like what just what stuff what was in the store in 1992. Yeah, yeah. HNAS, Hans 2, Hunting Lodge, If Buana, Insider Natives, Jacker Jive, Capote Music, Randy Grief, Jeff Grinke, uh, who I think we'll be doing an episode about yeah. in the not too distant future. Ooh, awesome. Uh, Garrick Tigkeit's Liga, Gary Gary Gay 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 Gum, like what a what a 
broad selection of stuff just to hear on one tape for the first time for a lot of people. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. If you didn't know, and if, weren't if, into if these you bands. were if you were a guy in mid Michigan, list you know whose it was idea of excitement was like the Pixies. Like I said before, like everything on there sounded crazy. Whether it was like the Cyclones doing kind of an industrial pop, or Gary Gary Gigi doing like full on noisecore, or you know some French electroacoustic guy doing just sort of sweepy swoopy you know tape mangle. Like it's everything about it was just completely impossible and and again gave you sort of the idea of like this is all happening out in the world wow and at the same time i'm like this is brilliant why doesn't everybody do this yeah. <laughs> like i, I well, don't know yeah, and it's it's such it's it's, it's you know now we do do that we have soundcloud samples yeah, exactly. we have mp3 samples exactly. uh, you get the same effect and it, it's amazing how that sort of like is like a harbinger of that you know you don't get the same effect though because mm-hmm. you have to seek those out you have to go to a label webpage or go somewhere and this is a distro cross cross dimensional like this is yes from from Hafler Trio to Gero to Inslaughter Natives to you know like uh, Schimpfluck adjacent or whatever like this is all of it and you don't you didn't have to go look and you weren't clicking on the sample of the thing you wanted to hear you were just getting volume four yes <laughs> yeah, and, sure. and that's kind of the, the glory of ron that we've talked about so much but he's just curated so much you know like and listened to so much and then chosen you know what he thinks we need to hear yeah do you know i wonder how many he did of each of these that's a really good question i have no idea i mean i get it was I, I was probably on demand like probably when maybe i mean it's hard to say yeah I, I really don't know because yeah. make 10, get rid of them, make 10 more, you know, or he probably had, he probably knew what size he would sell after the first couple of years. And so would make right. enough of them and then make more if he sold more until and, he decided to stop doing it. And, and each year, could you like in 92, could you get the 91 ones? Or no, no, they no, were it was, just, it was yeah, new yeah. for the year. Yeah. And I think it, it was probably tied to what was in the store at that point. And I, oh, right, course, I don't yeah. think it was even more than a couple months into the year. Like it was because I think I bought the first three ninety two and flipped on them. And I think by the next catalog, it might've still been a 92, but like the, it was out of the catalog. Like it, I don't feel like they were there for a long time. Do you still have a lot of the catalogs? I wish I had those very first ones, but yeah, I have a I have a sheaf of of catalogs through the years. Do you have any of the? I just what a curious. Do you have any of the other catalogs that you would send off for? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Well, uh, not as much the sort of the sort of pop and rock ones, mm-hmm. but like I, there was a, a label called Blue Circle in uh, Austin, Texas, which was like a really weird psych label, uh, and it's and it's still kind of around ST thirty seven. If you know that group, there was yeah, yeah. Uh, and like Thanet Hops's Throne, those were kind of like the big yeah. acts on there. Um, but you know, and they had like very interesting sort of paragraph long descriptions of each, each album. And I bought, I bought a bunch of those tapes and you know, all that stuff was kind of happening in my head at the same time. This was, you know, we always talk about like our noise origin stories and I love hearing them on the show and I love hearing about, you know, the boredom show and I love, you know, certain record stores or certain, uh, gateway drugs. But like, I don't know that there's that many of us that got into noise and then let everything else go. Like there's always so many things <laughs> happening at the same time. When I was listening to the Garrow tracks, I was also listening to Mr. Bungle. I was also listening to exactly. John Zorn or, yeah. uh, you know, Husker Du or whatever, yeah. you know, it's or the, all or the Beach Boys pet sounds. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you, I mean, still to this, I mean, still to this day, we are all certainly, sure. that is our, I mean, we just saw stuff. Mr. Bungle. Yeah. And then, but I mean, like, but, I, but like also like, yeah, we the the path wasn't just this like you found this the taste right. tape and then yeah that was it there was nothing yeah. else but I mean mm-hmm. you obviously this was like oh this is important for me yeah and, like this is this is and going also to- I I wasn't it, it still took a number of years to really like internalize this stuff and so like two minute samples sometimes was about all I could handle of some of this stuff yeah. until uh until you uh you know sort of really lock into. Uh, you know, your thing. Um, so, you know, sometimes it was nice. It would be like, I can, I can listen to two minutes AMK and then you get a full AMK tape and you're like, wow, I feel really weird right now. Like, <laughs> 60 it, minutes of this is hard. <laughs> I think it's weird now that we all listen to stuff together. Now I really enjoy before where it was like a solo practice. I love listening to noise with other people now. Yeah. Like I think it's, it's so enriching to just see what their reaction is. I was also thinking, and you talk about uh, how it was hard to get acclimated to it. And it's one of those things that I think we haven't really, touched on too much like we've talked about specific records like like asshole snail dilemma like blowing your mind or being really uncomfortable the first time you heard it but we you know especially us here doing the podcast probably a lot of our listeners but i know we have people who listen who are also sort of newer to noise 
I take for granted that we've heard a million hours of noise music. So it's all a very comfortable, safe territory these days. But the first time you're hearing this stuff, it's and every band, especially with the diversity of kind of the period we cover is so different and brings such a different thing to the table. Where like, you're going to hear illusion of safety in slaughter natives, insect, Jack or Jive, Capote music. That those are all different approaches. Those bands don't sound alike. And, they all might take different things for you, but now it's like, I, I know what all those bands sound like. I can mm-hmm, reference yeah. all those bands in a catalog in my head. Um, but thinking back to like 1992 mm-hmm. and, and being like, I don't know any of this. And you didn't even have much exposure to any of this sort of still, like you said, the Pixies or you didn't yeah. have exposure to this kind of stuff. And then you're right. just diving into like two minutes of Randy grief. Mm-hmm. Do, yeah. you, do you remember the first noise you loved? Like we are first I, I I'll I'll tell you my sort of like my breakthrough moment, and it was actually um, uh, it's in, in uh, if you know uh, the UK uh, artist Duncan Harrison, it's in his um, his doctoral thesis about about noise music. But um, uh, I actually I, I cheekily say that. Um, Billy Bragg got me into noise. Okay, so explain. Oh, yeah, let me wind that <laughs> back a know. little bit. Yeah. Uh, so when I was I was in college, uh, I was uh, my friend Justin, uh, who I did a radio show with called no- uh, Notes from the Underground, and I would play a lot of the RRR tapes and and you know some of the more sort of like the nice high period and this kind of you know algebra suicide and what have you. But uh, um, he loaned me his copy of a cassette copy of Billy Bragg's Back to Basics, and I really liked it. It was just one guitar, a guy, but it's it's a little distorted the guitar it's got that really kind of metallic ringy sound and i listened to it constantly and i thought i liked the words and i did and i liked the music but at, at a certain point justin said okay i need the tape back i'm i'm going back home for the summer so i dubbed myself a copy listened to my dub copy and immediately was like i don't like this anymore like there's something missing mm-hmm. and it and it took me i had to like sit down with them like what did i lose why does why do these songs not resonate with me anymore and i started really like breaking it down and I realized there was a certain aspect of the high end of the guitar, this certain metallic tingly tweety bit of like the, the, the pick hitting the string, the way you could hear the fingers moving on the fret because it was so sort of like closely mic'd and the sort of like little rings of feedback. Like I had missed all of that in, in dubbing the tape. And so that somehow that just like exploded even further. And I started sitting down like, wait a minute. So I'm like, I really didn't, I liked the record fine, but I, what I really liked was this one one hundredth, of the overall sound of the record. I really, really attached myself to this. And then I started thinking about music and the way, like, it's all like these layers of sort of like different sound. And I started thinking of like, like songs as like in like the, in the encyclopedia where you have like the, the you know, the, the anatomy, you know, like those transparencies yeah, yeah. and you peel you the layer off and it's the a, vessels out. It's a layer of lungs <laughs> and it's a layer of skeleton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, music can be like that. You can just listen to the lungs of the song or the, the capillaries. And then I, I started listening to music that way. And I was like, you can, you can sort of decenter your ears and think just about the bass part of this or just the, this frequency of the bass guitar or just listen to the hi-hat. And then once I had that in place and that sort of like, you know, anything, whether it's super composed or super improvised can all just be these series of layered on off switches. And once you have that in your head, like you go back to the noise and you're like, there's just like an entire world of uh, just toys that I can sort of move around in my head and listen to and isolate in, in certain ways. And, and I would have, I don't know if I would have ever gotten there if I hadn't uh, dubbed that tape and discovered (laughs) I didn't like it anymore. That that's, that's incredible. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> Such a unique way to sort of discover what it is you like is uh, by the lack of it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that's and a, it was not a that long after that it. that I put on like venereology. And I still remember like that first time hearing it because even like this stuff, like it's it's loud, but it's not relapse records, the loudest record you'll ever hear in your life loud. And I just remember it was, you know, I was living at home and it was after my folks had gone to bed and it was like one in the morning and I'm sitting in an easy chair with my headphones on <laughs> and I'm in that that 30 minute track and I'm like, I got to get through this. I got to do this. And, you, you know, you just feel your your brain being sort of carved by all these things and you start to you know a lot of the sort of listening strategies came from probably that night you know the way certain certain feedback arcs over certain things and and so forth and so i don't know what the first thing i was that i love maybe it was anti-performance maybe it was uh, the amk montage tape maybe you know I, I don't know but uh but i do remember those those early early days where 
you know, I went beyond listening to 10 minutes and going, okay, I got the point to, I have to sit down with a 70 minute CD and not stop and not walk away and say, Oh, I've had enough. I can't take it anymore. I got to see this through to the end and see what happens. I love that you put venereology in your headphones. Oh, just like bless, oh, yeah. bless my brain was, out. It's the best. It was a lot. It was also, you know, when yeah, at that point living in, uh, you know, an 800 square foot house, like that was the only way I was going to be able to right. hear it. You <laughs> know, I've always, I've always lived on top of other people who didn't want to hear this kind of stuff. So I'm, <laughs> I'm still a little phobic about like playing stuff out on speakers, even now that I have like my own basement and a door that closes and, you know, and, and I'm relatively, you know, inured to it. But I'm, I'm mostly still a headphone listener. What was some early uh, noise shows you saw live uh the so i moved to chicago february 6 99 and uh pretty much to because i knew chicago would have you know probably have noise shows or something like it or art things culture i moved you know i moved there for that stuff and you know as if to prove that i had made the right choice six days after i moved there uh government alpha msbr TV POW and Seafoam played at Ugh. the Fireside Bowl. Uh, I finished my first full week of work at the Chicago Medical Society and then immediately saw one of the best noise shows of my life. <laughs> <laughs> that awesome. was the tour, same tour that Gray yeah, I got to also see saw in, yeah. in Detroit. Yeah. yeah. But, so it was a while until you actually saw a noise show then. I was so 96 when I graduated college to about 99 when I moved to um, Chicago. I was listening to, uh, I was listening to some noise but I was listening to a lot of free jazz and free improv and like mm-hmm. the, the M&M label and Incus and all that kind of stuff all that gateway stuff yeah and a, a different kind of structures and a different kind of way to listen but one of my great regrets is you know I lived in the almost the center of Michigan Saginaw and right. was driving uh you know 4 hours one way to see Marilyn Crispell and Bobby Zankel and, you know, all these uh, and and Blood Count and Tim Byrne and all these people. And I was literally driving past Farmington and all this, all like the American tapes, all the Hanson stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I never saw a gold dollar show. I never I didn't know it was there. I was literally driving past it to see stuff that, you know, I'm still glad I saw, but just hadn't. You didn't see when when the haters came. In no, the 90s. Yeah. none of that wow. stuff. None yeah, of that yeah. stuff. Didn't didn't have the slight. I I really didn't realize that like Michigan had like a noise scene, and it was again you get your information where you get it, and I was getting mine from you know RR catalogs and Option magazine. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I ordered from American Tapes in like ninety seven or ninety eight, but never thought to ask like, do you guys do shows? Or what, <laughs> right. What happens? You know, <laughs> I just figured great. it was just tapes. You know, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't have even been a thought unless you're you're sort of exposed to it mm-hmm. or go go you're, to it, or yeah. you see a flyer on the on a you know street sign or something like that. You know, I, I have uh, no idea. I do feel the need to clarify that although you went to a Chicago Medical Society place mm-hmm. you are not a doctor and that we no. still are not friends with a doctor yeah. no. <laughs> no. so i just need to clarify I, for everybody I was, I was colleagues with doctors but yeah no. you, so you were friends, friends with doctors, doctors. <laughs> uh, acquaintances I, I, yeah okay My well best. see yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're still batting 100 here <laughs> or whatever high batting numbers are i don't yes. know we're not 100 sports. is not it by the way is nope. it like 600 <laughs> it's a thousand oh good batting a thousand <laughs> <laughs> but so so that's when your kind of show going opened up when you moved to Chicago. Oh, yeah. Fireside Bowl. Oh, my God. And, and and again, but a lot of, you know, like I would go to the like the three day empty bottle jazz and improvised music shows. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Fireside Bowl, empty bottle all had tons of, of noise stuff. There was, you know, there was a place called the Nervous Center uh, where I saw uh, Bloody Minded and Slogan, I think in maybe like 2000, 2001, something like that. Wow. It was like in a basement beneath a coffee shop. Um was yeah, that, it, it was all all kinds of different places. And where did you, you we talked about you saw To Live and Shave in L.A. What was that show? Oh, that was at, at, at uh, originally yes. six, six Odom, but later Odom, which mm-hmm. does all the Lampo stuff. And One of the legendary shows I was, uh, uh, you know, I grew up in Chicago, but I was in Kentucky at the time, so I wasn't in the city for that show, but that was such a legendary show. I wanted to see if yeah. you two had been to a show together. Well, we have, we have been. Mm-hmm. We, established, sure. we established last night that we were at multiple shows together, especially yeah. at the Fireside Bowl, because yeah. that was like my... I love I, I if anyone has been there you know it was it was dingy it was it was it was a former bowling alley that had fallen into disrepair and became a venue for probably 15 years it was 
frequently voted the worst toilets in Chicago. It was yeah. disgusting. Uh, they were it was disgusting. really, truly repugnant. And the comedian Cal Kinane has a great routine about uh, playing a punk show at the fireside and not mm-hmm. wanting to use the toilet and going to a nearby bar, which was even scarier. Yes. I, I, <laughs> I, 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 Fullerton was really scary. I right remember there. hearing that. In fr- oh, my God. He's talking yeah. about fireside. Are the yeah. toilets worse than Churchill's in Miami? Because Churchill's, I think, are the worst bathrooms I've ever experienced. I, mm-hmm. Any, even squats, even art spaces, wow. they're terrible. He wow. goes in Houston, tops my list for worst really? Really? Yeah. The it's, women's restroom has a hole through the middle, so you there's literally no door. So there's a door to the outside. If you're sitting on the toilet, you're looking straight out of the door Ch- for women. Churchill's. <laughs> I'm sure they're unisex now. Ch- Who cares? Churchill's. Yeah. Shout out to Rat Bastard. <laughs> hey, Rat, what's oh, yeah. up? Get him on the show. <laughs> what, oh, 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 we would love please, it. Are you kidding? He is, he is definitely on our list. Um, but, but the Fireside, it, yeah, it's been a long time. I mean, it had been... I mean, how long has it been closed? Well, it's reopened it's as a bowling re- alley, they, but... Yeah, because at that point, like, the, the the bowling lanes were such that, you know, it was almost U-shaped. Like, it was really in bad <laughs> yeah. shape. Uh, the sound system was pretty legendarily bad. Uh, and you would you could get an electrical shock if you, like, were plugging your instruments in. You know, like, they were really, uh, like, ungrounded electrical connections. People <laughs> yeah. would get shocked in their guitars all I, the time. I don't recall. I was too young to even probably notice, like, yeah. a sound, like, any sort of sound. I just remember being, I was just so excited. Pink and Brown there. played a show there, and I remember uh, Pink, uh, the guitar player, like, jumped up, and he was, he was just kind of just jumping around, jumping on amps. Uh, jumped through, jumped into the ceiling through the drop ceiling, and apparently there were just a million roaches up there. And he let out a cry and and, and immediately like flopped back down onto the ground. Like, ah! it was <laughs> it so was funny when you said pink and brown the first time. I was like, oh my god, pink and brown. <laughs> I have not thought about that. In probably so since that show, hey, kids, yeah, absolutely. Pink and brown? Probably since yes, that show, which I do the oops tour. <laughs> which, yeah. The other thing about Fireside was that it was all ages, and that's yes. from. So mm-hmm. I only went when yeah the bar was sort of cordoned off, so you could go and drink in the bar. Could. But you could just walk past it and then walk and see. Well, that was what I think. Wolf was, eyes or I, I lightning that, bolt, or I think that's what was great about it. Yeah. is because it was all ages, but you could also drink. So a lot of times, all ages venues where you can't drink, people you know, people above twenty one didn't want to go. But the far side, you could go, yeah. and and everyone could go. Uh, so that place is super, super important and special. My memories of that place are, are you know, yeah, glad to have as them. a young maniac. I never got to go there. My only knowledge of it comes from the uh, Kaki SP making it our business video where Kaki uh, <laughs> SP and Harry Pussy play yes. at the Fireside Bowl. And I remember mm-hmm. seeing it on like live at the Fireside Bowl on different like noise tape releases. And I it was always one of those places I wanted to go, uh, but I never made it to Chicago while it was still in operation. Did mm-hmm. you ever see Kaki SP? I did. I played with Kaki SP at Detroit Art Space. No, oh, nice. Yeah. Were you at that show at the first? The, the, no, that was that before. Was, that was, was early. That was before like I moved there. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, I missed some pretty legendary things. I mean, like the 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 White House, where you know they got chased out of the empty bottle by like skinheads or whatever and <laughs> I, things like that. I, I think that the haters or, and I don't and, know. And wasn't that that White House, wasn't it also like members of like Electric Hellfire Club? I always Maybe. heard that. I had always heard that story too. Possible. I actually. Uh, I, I I do I we are in possession of a video of that show uh, uh, mm-hmm. that someone did take uh, and that it is amazing and it, that that is actually video. that is actually where my, I and I have told Philip this and I may I can't remember if it was, we talked about it in the episode or not uh, but my absolute favorite like stage anything is at one point Sotos and Bennett both leave the stage and Philip's the only one on stage and he he's he's just. Like hitting uh, the synth for like ten seconds, twenty seconds, and then stops, and then it's just silence, and then just would like point to the crowd, and then flex his muscles, <laughs> his kind of non-existent muscles, his but, beautiful yeah, muscles. And, and I then, love his beautiful po- muscles. And then at one point he flex, he points to his muscle, and then points to the crowd, and 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 and, and, and with silence, he like he's it'll be. Silence points to the crowd. It's so one of my favorite uh, wow. live. Uh, it's a great move, and I wish everybody could see Mike doing it. Yeah. Uh, I've seen Mike do it like once a week. Yeah, 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 yeah. Every day I see it, and I'm not tired of it. And I, when Philip does it, it's it's even better. So sort of winding that back, I've, I've also gotten very interested in the sort of the history of uh, like small venues in Chicago. I interviewed uh, Michael Zarang, who's of course a legendary kind of free improv percussionist. He's had a million bands. Uh, he was in a band called Jumper Cables with Kevin Drum for a while, which was an early like mind blow when I was Ooh. in Chicago as a quartet. Um, and um, but I interviewed him, talked about like I said, it's it's interesting how you know 
old in the older days like you would get a variety of things on on the bill but like now you get these sort of like focused things you have like a free jazz show or a noise show and he said yeah he's like in the early 80s like you would go to a warehouse space and there would be a poetry reading there would be a synth band there would be a noise band ono would probably be playing there would be you know um Performance piece or installation uh, like, like or something. Flamenco right? guitarist, you know, like you really would get like an entire evening. And it really sort of ties back to the RR taste test of like, there's no attempt to make this into like a mixtape that flows or whatever. He's giving you sort of the entire world with this sort of arbitrary alphabetical, uh, you know, organization system. And, you know, it, it is interesting that at one point that was kind of how, uh, you know, non-conventional uh, venues did their show. And then everything kind of separates and gets out and you you don't get the one noise track on a music compilation. Now you have a whole noise compilation. Now you have a whole noise label. Mm-hmm. You have a noise ecosystem and things like that. So, you know, there's upsides and downsides to both. But if I'm not mistaken, when... We played at Triple R years ago, and the way he ran shows at his record store was that uh, bands played in alphabetical order. Also, there was no, there was no uh, headliner, no whatever. You just played in alphabetical order. Okay, this this is it's all connected. Wow. But I mean, even for us, in and it makes sense, you know, the way we listen to music, the way we like music. I mean, the taste test tape we listened to, we were as excited about some obscure Belgian synth thing that we had yep, never heard that of, was exciting. and the RLW track and the, you know, you know, whatever yeah. S chord track. I mean, it's, it is a, such a cool way to listen to it because you get these clips and you're like, oh, that sounds awesome. And the next clip, that sounds awesome. And it's like totally different too. I mean, you mm-hmm. just can't And to hear different... something you haven't heard before because it's, no, it's not like we only like one genre. Like, oh yeah. my God, what well, is that? Well, That's so interesting. I, yeah. we, were, we were joking, the taste test, the taste test tape still worked. Yeah, I, mean, no, was I like, was on Discogs like, hmm. What is this? Like, <laughs> I've never heard of this. Yeah. Like, what is this? You know, like, and I, I think it's so cool. I think these are... I, I, I also have never talked to anyone who has had these. I've never. Yeah, I haven't either. Um, Can I see another one? Sure. Here's, here's, here's a couple from 92. Oh, these good. are the ones that really sort of, I put my uh, coffee sort of down. shaped me. Um, <laughs> on Black Humor, on, on that album, you wrote Interesting. Oh, did I? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. But I mean, like, look, like, listen, like, this is crazy. Like, premature ejaculation, cyclones, Horatio Rodulescu, Rod, Ramla. Uh, you know, Sibothi, Schlosh Teagle, Conrad Schnitzler, Sigulum S, Skullflower, Sleep Chambers, Small Crew Party, Smell and Quim. I mean, yeah. How cool is that? We could just pick our next episodes yeah. from these things. Yeah, it's true. But yeah, it could be a real, have, it could be a real have, musical. With the rest of the too. year in these two, right? No, here. it's true. It's like Emil Bolio, B Queen, Mario Bortoncini, Black House, Black Humor, Bog, Bombay Ducks, Barbado Magus, Boy Dirt Car. And it was, it was so all kind awesome. of waiting for me. Like, like I said again, like the Boy Dirt Car and the Barbado Magus. Like, I, I could not listen to them for a while. They were genuinely too scary for me. But they were nice. like they're waiting for you. You know, like yeah. I was, you know, all right, I'll get this Algebra Suicide album or you know which is just like you know guitar and spoken word like that was interesting too like it, it wasn't just seeking out noise like it was i'm just seeking out something different and this was just 200 different difference per year man so cool but i you know you rarely meet you do meet people who only like abstract noise but yeah. but who how many people are like that really i mean i think we all like so many things yeah there have been periods in my life where I primarily, you know, 95% yes. listen to noise of the mm-hmm. harsh variety, I'd say. There's a point where you just have to, you just feel like you have to get to the bottom of it and you just, just burn with it for five, eight, ten hours a day and you just grit your teeth and you're like, oh, this is it. But, and then it sort of goes away for a while and then it comes back and then you start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and then it really comes back with a vengeance. It's, I love noise even more now than I did back then as far as, as far as my memory will allow me it's like it's just a it's all i think about now. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> there's no question i mean i have that. strong memories in like 2000 like in a laundromat just with with a, a metal velodrome like just screaming in my ears and uh, just feeling like ah oh, this is living you know <laughs> <Hell> yeah, <laughs> yes but you know by by two years later i'm like i need a break <laughs> i remember when mike would be on tour and i would just find the scariest thing i could find and blast it if i if i felt like scared that i was alone or heard people in the hallway of our made, weird apartment made you feel comfortable it made me it may, actually did make me feel better. I remember there was somebody like in our hallway that was being very loud and creepy, and I blasted C. Spencer Yay and uh, the like really like weird vocal sounds yep. and just 
kind of cracked the door and they <laughs> left immediately. It like, was what, what is, like his adjustable like, yeah, yeah, stuff. When, yeah. Wow. yeah, it was it was crazy. And that was when we we suspected that our next door neighbors were drug dealers and they jetted as soon as I turned. Oh, them I on. remember those. Neighbors. Oh, yeah. 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 It was wow. great. <laughs> so thanks, Spencer. Aesthetically <laughs> pleasing and practical. <laughs> so uh, th- this was really the introduction for you, I guess, the kind of one of the other ways I think people heard a lot of this stuff that didn't have much exposure to it would have been like college radio yeah. stuff. Was that is that a factor for you at all or was that not something that um, you were? I, I went to Alma College, which if you haven't heard of it, you know, Alma, Michigan, like mm-hmm. join the crowd. It was 1200 student liberal arts college. So I was college radio, frankly, for this kind <laughs> of stuff. We Justin and I had a show overnight called Notes from the Underground and he was very into uh, CBC radio. He lived in uh, like a Detroit suburb, so he would get CBC, you know, across Windsor. And so he would bring in stuff from like uh, David Wisdom show or Brave New Wave. So it was a lot more like, uh, you know, the rheostatics or, you know, the sort of like Daniel Lanois produced type things. And I was, as he said, I was the noise gargoyle. So I would bring in like Big Black and like stuff off the RRR comps and you know scratch acid and things like that Mm so i've listened to those old tapes and they don't have any flow whatsoever it's just this weird push pull between like the ethereal and like the face punching you know um (laughs) much like a taste test yeah Yeah. so yeah i when i i I, at 99 when i moved uh i i joined uh whpk uh which is the university of chicago station and is one of a few college stations that allows non-students to be djs and so uh, my friend Jeff, who was in uh, Jeff Guy, he's in the military, was in, uh, you know, uh, a program there. And he said, you got to come down here. And so I would do uh, radio with him. I do a rock format thing on Friday mornings. Uh, and then I took over uh, John Corbett's show, um, uh, Radio Dada, for a bunch of years. And so I, I did I did radio as well. But yeah, I didn't, you know, where I was in Michigan, like there was nothing resembling college radio. We had Delta College and we had Saginaw Valley State University. I don't think either of them had a radio station. So, you know, I've, I've always been kind of self-parented in terms of like finding weird things. I didn't have an older brother that, you know, here, check this out or whatever. So it was, again, it was books or it was these tapes or things like that. Did but, the college have stacks or did you get a lot of promo copies? Uh, not that much. We would, we sent out, we sent out letters to a couple of uh, people and, and got a couple free discs. And, you know, the promo stacks were mostly just, you know, indie rock or whatever, mm-hmm. or Massive Attack or something like that. So, you know, it was mostly our own collection that we were bringing in. Awesome. I mean, the, the college, you know, I, I've discussed this before, was college radio was huge for me. That's that's where I found all this stuff. Yeah. I was my absolute first day in college. I went to the radio station and was just like, I want this is yeah, this is for me. And yeah, and our like third date together was Mike's radio show. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Ro- romantic. <laughs> and it was, romantic. It was it was overnight. Yes, it was. It was, was. And it was the noise. It was midnight to three a.m. Cat- catacombs. Yeah, I feel like I was, now what, what know your about show like called? your first ca- ten ca- dates. Catacombs. Yeah, catacombs. Right. Okay. I love it, it. You want to hear more? And, and, and it was it was named. It, I did, it was I like took it myself and someone else mm-hmm. took it over. So it was the the name was. It was already inherited in catacombs. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that's where, and, and for me, yeah, it was option was one magazine. Seconds was actually the biggest oh, magazine yeah. and that's completely been forgotten. There is actually a book, a collection of stuff. Hmm. It was the first time there's an interview with Jonathan Kennedy and it was dead world at the time. I think I, don't, I can't even remember. Yeah, well, we were just thing. trying to get scans of seconds magazines really hard. It's, yeah. And, yeah. But, but they had, they reviewed like Murzbaugh stuff and they had an ad for Japanese American noise treaty. Wow. And I remember the, the the thing I really remember was the name CCCC and and thinking how insane there's a band that's four C's yeah. and I and I I was like I need to hear yeah you're like because if 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 a name if a band's called like Cattle Decapitation you yeah. have a sense of what that's yeah, like yeah, yeah, what, yeah. what could CCCC yes. possibly sound like one hundred percent obsessed yeah. and so and so when I got there it, there was just there was one guy who was just my guru and handed me Tarot Machine. Get handed wow. me triple R catalog. So good. Get, you know, told me, you know, and we, and because of him, we had CDs and records in, at, in the station, <laughs> you know, you know, more, a lot of the relapse stuff, obviously, but, but even other stuff too, there was some of those labels would send out promos and stuff mm. like and that. And didn't you know? he put out uh, vinyl, vinyl communication. Didn't he put oh, out yeah. free tapes that well, people could just grab? So, so then, so then the second, the second day when I came, he brought me two tapes mm-hmm. and, it, and he had done them and they were just, they were, there was one was him and one was his, was his friend. Keep in mind, I didn't 
there was nothing in my world that knew that anyone did underground tapes or did their own tapes. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't, I didn't even know this existed. Yeah. And so second day at the radio station in college, I'm like, Oh my, and, and I remember they were wrapped in a wallpaper. He'd cut yeah, wallpaper like and, wrapped the tapes, tapes. and then typewritered the oh, title wow. on the thing. And I just was like, this is like, I, my mind would just, it, blue in half you know what i mean wow. basically and Fantastic. that was yeah that was so it was that was huge and then even just doing the radio show you know uh you know contact i would order stuff from labels i would tell them i was you know i'm playing this on my radio and then oh my god let me send you some more stuff like first and i remember a lot of people would be like so cool that you ordered and didn't just write and ask <laughs> for something free. Yeah. Now we will send you some cool stuff, but nice. oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah you that, passed the test. That always stuck with me, you know, cause then I never, never ask, I never ever asked anyone for free stuff for the radio, radio yeah. station. I always buy it. Well, I also point out that HPK, it was not like I was like the only noise dude there. Like, like Blake Edwards of Vertonin and Crippled Intellect and, mm -hmm. and Ballast was a DJ there. He had a show called Warbride. Hair Police played a couple HPK shows. And they also had a great Friday night uh, live. Yeah, yeah, live. I don't remember show. what we did. A sh I know uh, we, did uh, one that, we did one that Blake set up for sure. Mm -hmm. I, I hosted Joseph Hammer there one time yeah. for a late night show for Radio Data, possibly. Um, they also had a, a thing called uh, the Friday Focus Shows, which if you were a, a person of a certain disposition who likes to research things or, uh, you know, showcase certain things, you could sign up for a two hour block of time and just showcase a certain artist, a certain type of thing. Uh, so I did a, a, cool. a two, I did a two hour uh, Borbita Magus focus show where I interviewed all three members of the group, uh, you know, on tape. I had, they had like a Marantz, you know, recorder, uh, so I could record phone conversations. I interspersed like tape conversations throughout the show and things like that. It was, it was a great opportunity. Did to, you record that? Yeah, I have, I, be, I have copies of that. Oh, I, I actually have, I still have all three tapes of like an hour and a half of Jim Sauter and Don Dietrich and, uh, you know, Donald Miller just talking about stuff, me asking stupid questions and them, you know, just going off somewhere else. Amazing. It was, it was pretty great. Um, but yeah, the rock format in general, like it ranged from like, like black metal people to Sarah records, pop people, but everyone was always sort of on board for everything. And everyone kind of knew about the alchemy stuff that was in the stacks and everyone knew about, and there, as you guys mentioned before, there actually was a copy of dog pound found sound there as well, oh, <laughs> which, <yeah. wow. laughs> which I hope nobody played. I don't oh. know. I think it was played probably a few times, but, but also <laughs> kind of had the same experience though too, where everyone was kind of psyched on what anyone else was doing, even if it wasn't maybe your, yeah. your, your, your focus or your, or your taste. It was just kind of like, yeah, we were myself and, and then uh, Trevor and Robert and, and Matt Minner and a couple of Did you people. guys all meet at the station? Then? Yes. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah. yeah Ro uh, Robert and Trevor, they're a few years younger and they used to listen to my radio show. Cause I would do the, the, I usually would do two shows a week. One, one was more free, free form or whatever. Yep. Yep. I would still play a lot of noise, but I would play other stuff. And then one was more noise centric. And so they, they would that's how we met i mean they basically came to some shows They're like oh we listen to your show and then they came on the radio and, and they were like 17 but that's where i met matt wow. that's right what so good matt minner was i met him on my very first day there yeah and and you know we've still you know friends to this day so it it, it was a really really important time yes uh, for me and and yeah there was we so yeah we were kind of the noise you know weirdos and there was the yeah the more pop people and the jazz people, but we were all just kind of psyched that any, we were just like psyched that people had their passion. Yeah. And then that's, you know, that's still to this day what, what we love. About it is people. funny how everybody finds each other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you got to connect where you can. I, I know I've definitely heard Mike's origin story for noise and, and gray. You've talked about like going from sort of like goth direction into harsher things. Did you ever tell your origin story, Tara? Like where did you get started? And I this? have no idea. I'm, okay. I'm mostly noise through Mike. Okay. Um, I liked weird. I, I always sought out things that I hadn't, um, heard before. And I, and I always chalk it up to my mom accidentally, um, renting, um, Toxic Avenger when I was four Ooh. years old. Uh, somebody told her it was a kid's movie uh, and I watched it and it's like my mind broke in half. I do remember crying, but I also remember just thinking about it constantly after yeah. that. Like, oh my God, that was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Did he really stick his thumbs through that guy's eyes? How, how can I find more of this? So wow. I just... I just bought, I saved up my money, bought my own TV so I could watch USA up all night and nobody would know. So I would never, I never slept. I just stayed up and watched USA Please up all night. Please do a home night. time on up all night. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I would love oh. it. I went through I everybody, Gilbert and yeah. Rhonda and every, so, oh, so, good. so like I was just obsessed with that forever. And then, you know, would look for any person who would just give me 
music that they hadn't heard. So, of course, I liked like alternative rock and punk and everything. And then um, Mike had a reputation for being um, just kind of out there. And I immediately uh, listened to his radio show. Uh, and I think the first noise that I just fell in love with was Incapacitance. And I loved the I loved how wild it was. Um, but before that, I really liked the reputation of he, he was in a like a free jazz band called Hexo. Well, I would I free jazz. That's very it's it's that's it's very insane. like you, you made it sound way more academic than it was uh, not. It was it was a uh, way I think more, somebody way more had high a, somebody had a clarinet. Culture. I don't know if they played it or just threw it. Uh, it was it was just exactly what you if if hair police weren't musical. Don't know that's what they Hexo played seems. it or threw it. Yes, that's uh, a sentence that's never been uttered on earth before. I love so it so much. Before I met him in like ninety nine two thousand, everybody was like. That fucking band can never play here again. Like everywhere I went, they wow. were like, they will never play here. Get them out of here. Like, don't even mention them because they were just like, like, you know, persona non grata for all shows. So Amazing. immediately I was like, I need to know them. I need to hear them. When can I see you? Tell me more. Yeah. It was good. And that's, and that's how it happened. <laughs> we, we, we played the coffee shop you worked at. Yeah. And I, I worked at a coffee yeah. shop and uh, and then they played and I was like, that was super fucked up. But I loved <laughs> it. It was great. Yeah. That, that band was myself, Matt Minner and this guy, Ross Wilbanks, who I've referenced yep. multiple mm-hmm. times. That was our band uh, before that. That was pre hair police. And yeah, I mean, those, I was we like, were, what the hell was that? It was we were definitely uh, there was a divisive feelings about. And us as I said, the first night I went home with Mike, porn noise was front and center. And I was and I was truly like, does every album you have have a butthole? On it? Like, <laughs> and, does it? And yeah, sometimes the answer is maybe yes, possibly, possibly. I know it's right. It's right next to us to this day. Uh, and he was like, yeah, possibly. Uh, but yeah, I do remember specifically that uh, for some reason, incapacitance, like the the frenetic energy of it. I could always pick it out of a lineup and I loved going back to it. And maybe it even took a while for me to enjoy ambient things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, because I, you were so into the like no, harshness. I, I yeah. wanted the harsh and wild frenzy. I wanted the yeah. speakers to be blown out. I love the idea of blowing out a PA. I liked the violence. I liked it that a show, maybe even from liking punk or hardcore, just people bleeding. I liked that. Mm-hmm. Um, I like breaking instruments. Uh, I just thought it was great and it's interesting how <laughs> like just just a matter of something like velocity can totally change whether you like a thing or not like yeah like something that you know something similar but different like cccc could have just as easily like stopped you dead in your tracks there's like there's oh god there's there's, so there's a hover to it or like a celestial you know like yeah and maybe that's not that's not you're not ready for that yet or something but then this this specific thing with this specific sort of like speed and forward motion like this is this this was the right thing at the right time yeah and i i, I don't know if it was just everybody with age but i find that like you know when i was 20 i needed it to like explode my brain i wanted like maximum sound and violence and as intense as i could possibly yeah. get like stick your head in a drum and kick the bass like yeah. i do remember mike doing that at shows like sticking his head in the bass drum yeah we like were, it we was were insane very, like anti anything that yes. was relaxing calm at that no, time just, we were we yes. was like it was full on or nothing. Yes, you know, full it, throttle. But yeah. now, like listening to things throttled back, I spent so much time just really um, wanting to experience the most extreme sound that could possibly be like something maybe that sounds so violent that it actually hurts you. Yeah. I, and I feel like that uh, probably with, with all of us, there's there's that line like you have to start somewhere. But like there's that first heavy thing that you hear from me. It was like Pink Floyd. And then it goes to, you know, like, yes, or Frank Zappa. And then it goes from there to you know husker do and then it goes from there to minor threat and then it goes from there to you know and you just get that sort of like rising frenzy rising frenzy and then like noise finally is like that's the thing i've been waiting for you know my entire life but it's also why i don't think like noise i don't think is is like one of the few music like non-genres whatever but that doesn't really have any proselytizers like like i never Mm -hmm. tell someone who's not into noise you should really get into noise yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> they'll get there. You know, and I've had, okay, and I've had, and I've had people right? ask me like, "Should I get into noise?" And I and I tell them, "If you if you don't already need it by now, like you probably don't need it. You're probably just not a broken human being. Like I, I don't know, but you know, like if if you haven't had to seek it out, and again, I think that's how you come to places like RRR or you know a radio show or whatever. Or you know, we always should on you know, oh everything's easy on the internet, but like it's not like noise is on like the front page of Google. You know, like. <laughs> You still have sure. to, you still have to like 
say, I'm not satisfied with all of these options. I need something heavier. I need something crazier. And, you know, sure, it's a few, you know, clicks on the keyboard now versus, you know, sending a paper letter to a guy in Lowell, Massachusetts. But, you know, there's there's still that intention of like, I, I need something that I don't know if it's out there or not. And then it or if you're like, you know, Pat Skin Crime, like you made it before you found out that it was out there or something like that. Oh, that's so magic. The that's real. Mm-hmm. That's the next step. And that's totally mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's like free therapy, you know, or not even free. I guess it's not free, but. uh. (laughs) I would save so much money if I had just done therapy instead of (laughs) all of this for therapy. (laughs) But maybe for all of us, it just, you know, it does fulfill something in us that we wanted. um, Or maybe it's just as simple as like, you know, I'm not saying it's the most responsible thing to do, but we used to like to sit on our front, front porch and just throw bottles at this brick wall and watch them break. I mean. There's something so fun and satisfying about it. Oh, like yeah. it was, it was, it was nice. We were, we were listening to incapacity we were throwing yeah. bottles yeah. at his, cause, cause we lived, it was this amazing uh, building that it was, it was, it was just, a warehouse that well, was going to be torn down. Well, and to even call it a warehouse that I, I, yeah. it, it was very tiny apartments in a warehouse looking building. They were tiny. There was four mm-hmm. and Tara and I lived in one, Trevor and Robert lived in one. And then f- two other sets of friends lived in yeah. the other one. So we all lived in this apartment. We had our own apartment. Apartment building, but we had our own apartments. But the the street itself was was like basically abandoned. We were the only nobody else. Lived there was on that no street. one else living on the street, and so right ac- like it was gravel. There, there was basically a gravel street, and then across the street there was an abandoned building. And so we would literally just <laughs> when we would drink, we would finish a beer and throw the bottle against the 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 building across the street. And sometimes you hit the building, sometimes you didn't. Yeah. And then you have to go get it and break it. 25 swaths played in the middle of that street. Yes, we had 25 swaths play in the street until the cops came. That was like the whole... We just wanted to see what would... Like, literally wanted to see what would happen. The show we had set up for him got canceled like the night before. And so we had no other way to play suit. We're like, all right... If you're down for this, we we'll do it. We'll take any if it, we get in any trouble or anything. We'll you know we we'll take the heat. We'll, we'll you know we obviously you know collected money. We'll, we'll get you. It'll it'll be cool, but we'll just do it till the cops come. And they, and they played probably about 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. It was a pretty good for twenty five swabs. You know, it was yeah. a good set. And the cops laughed. The cops loved it. They it was actually weren't they horse? Didn't they come on horseback? <laughs> and they were like, I want to say they came it's in Kentucky. Like, I, they did. One and, of them and, did. And not I remember all of them. they were just kind of like, What are you doing? They were, they were totally like down there, like, You guys got to stop. But this is totally cool. Like, yeah. what are you, like, like, what are you guys, like, They're like yeah, what are you yeah, doing? They, there was no problem. And then Mind Flayer played upstairs. Yes. And they Trevor and Robert, full volume. In Trevor and Robert's in apartment. In a cement yeah. building. <laughs> it, it was like, it, it's that gut rattle that just destroys you. It was insane. Yeah, that was a great. That was a. That was a great. And time. that's why we can't hear because we weren't wearing <laughs> earphones and we were. We had Mind Flayer playing a mm-hmm. six hundred square foot apartment. What? what? <laughs> huh? What? Classic what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a classic what right there. Wow, cool. This is fun. This is fun. This is fun. <laughs> chat. This is a chat. fun chat. I don't know. Like, this is chat. a fun chat. This yeah. kind of went all over the place, but I'm I like that. Yeah. No, I think that was the plan. We started yes. with the taste test series, and it's. Sort of talking about how the how noise, uh, you know, propagated back then and how yeah. you got to hear different things. And really, like, something like this, compilations, of course, which we've touched on before, and we will talk about probably some of the bigger comps that were kind of the, the ones for their time. Uh, like, Journey into Pain was a, just a oh, huge yeah, yeah. comp man. for me when I got it. And, man. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's, that one is just still, to me, a thing of legend. Triple R, statutory tape, like... Mm-hmm. Uh, but... This is just how this stuff kind of got out into the ether and just tape trading people hand to hand, dub some tapes from your friend, which, you know, kind of says like, oh, yeah, Ross gave me this and that. Like I my I have a nice official copy of Kingdom of Noise VHS now, but the one I got was a dub that someone gave me because you couldn't you couldn't find it. Same here. Yeah, I still yeah. have them, but we still actually have some dubs of those of some of the VHS. But we do have a lot of uh, of the other the actual. Ones. Yeah, so I've wanted so to cool. upgrade to an, uh, an original, but I would never get rid of my dub because that was yeah. made for me twenty some years and ago. And you know, by the dub's someone. got five other things on it. That There's you a bunch see, of stuff yeah. tacked on the end. Of it. There <laughs> exactly. is. It's true, and it's that's. That's so awesome. So like, yeah, and it just has the, the, the sort of like gratitude of like someone bothered to do this for me. I like, I like having it around. Mm-hmm. Someone, someone dubbed me like fifteen like fall tapes when I was in college, and I, I carried those 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 C nineties with two albums per tape in like the original priority bag that they came in. I would carry them around campus. I just had them with me at all times because I couldn't. It was the first time like a major like someone I didn't know on the internet was like. 
you haven't heard this. I need to, you need to hear it. I'll just make you the tapes. You know, you're a young guy. I'm in my thirties. Here you go. Thank you. And, and I've, I've always tried to pass. pass and I think everybody has like one friend like that, you know, is good for like one, like Dillaway was good for a dub tape. Grux would make crazy tapes. Grux made amazing tapes. Yeah. Tour. Dillaway would, would Gary. Uh, would Dillaway's been scanning some of his, his mixtapes on Facebook lately. I've seen like tape, uh, like scans of like some of the old mixtapes. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. And, and, and I think I, I love the, the dubbing and taping and, and I, whatever doesn't matter I've, I've i've always been i've been downloading illegal downloading i do have issues i have a, i have a problem with and but when someone asks me well, what's the difference between like a dub tape and, and like a download i'm like the difference is that somebody physically took the time thought of whoever they're taping that for sat down made the tape it's this physical thing there's not the sense of ownership that comes with the, with having a file, you know, whatever. It, everyone's opinions on that are different. It doesn't matter. But but I, what I think is the dub tape is something that's so important to your personal growth because you remember the person that gave that to you. You remember that they thought of you, that they're like, you're going to, I want you to hear this. I'm going to make this tape for you. I think there's something so special about that. And just like, like Gray's recycled tape that he talks about with new kids on the block yeah. at the end, you remember mm-hmm. the weird edits and yeah. the, That's the strange things. That's my experience yeah. with that, with mm-hmm. that tape. And even, you know, the thinking of dubbing tapes and going back and this is, this is not quite noise related, but when I was 13, 14, my friend Damien, uh, his sister, would she had like you know the cure and depeche mode and stuff and she would let me borrow a couple tapes every time i went over oh, to the yeah. house and i would make dubs of them i would borrow them dub them bring them back and then she'd like you know suggest something new that i might like and it, mm-hmm. even that same thing of just like you already like this kind of weird i was i was already listening to kind of weirder stuff by them but i didn't know depeche mode you know it wasn't like the thing that yeah. that it tickled my fancy or i wasn't listening to the cure so then to get into that through someone taking the time to sort of show you or be like take these two home and then like dub them, you know, bring them back next week, whatever yeah. was, was a big thing. And having that happen with noise, here's kingdom of noise. Oh wow. Now I can see incapacitance. I can see what Masan is doing. Oh yeah. And again, you know, and it does yeah, not disappoint. Maybe we're a little, uh, derisive of the ease of YouTube just because we had to come through it a slightly different way. But, um, you couldn't just see Masana. If I wanted to see what Masana looked like after hearing it, I couldn't just type that in somewhere. Someone did have to take the time to dub me a VHS tape so that I could experience that. And that's a really special thing. And that's why 20 years later, I still have that Absolutely. VHS tape yeah. sitting in my house is because it's, it means something to me, not just of the content of it, but the, the sentiment of it, of like, I'm going to share this with you. You're still learning about this stuff. We're all still learning about this stuff. Always. I love every, every every week, new bands Mm -hmm. every week. I I, new old bands and new, new bands. And I love it. Um, there's, there's no end to the, the exploration of this stuff. And that's just one of those things that like that sentiment, it, it reminds me of that thing that like, we're always learning and we can always even take something new from something old that we've seen before or experienced before. Like listening to some of these records we've already heard, like listening to something we've heard a thousand times, but sitting and focusing on it with a, and discussing it with a group, talking about it with your friends and sharing it and like sharing opinions. It, you know, the the Masana, my first uh, eBay ripoff was I got the Masana Like a Vagina VHS. But it was blank, right? But it was blank. <laughs> but the cover, but the cover, and it was like, and it was not, it wasn't even... Yeah, it was just like total like ripoff style. Yeah. But the cover is still was the actual cover of the real. Mm. So that's hanging on our wall. The cover the, the, the VHS cover. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this is how important this stuff is to us. We kept that for fifteen a years. Tape. A blank tape in a case because well, like, and they were also like, well, well we can case, dub it from somebody one day maybe like, and then kinda have it. But then it, but it's like, no, this is it's a, it's enough to have the case. Yeah. yeah. It's like that's yeah. enough. Like so, yeah, maybe so, a secret hope that someday it'll just yes. appear on the videotape yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, 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 like yeah, maybe yeah. it just hasn't gestated yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It has to ripen. Yeah. 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 <laughs> how, wow. how freaked out would you be in twenty years if you popped it in? Like it's totally. here now. Here it, it is. finally arrived. Or maybe we were just too dumb to figure out that it was still there, and we just had like a thirty-minute lead. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I actually just got a tape for a project I'm working on that wouldn't play in my VCR, and so I thought that I had been uh, shystered. Yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Then I tried a different VCR because I have a few around yeah. here and it played fine. And I was like, okay, good. That's, that's good. But I really was like, you know, you don't know with a, with a blank tape, yeah. a VH, you know, yeah. VHS tape or cassette tape. Like 
you don't know when you actually get it if it's going to have anything on it. There's <laughs> oh, yeah. no way of telling until you play it. And if it won't play or just gives you a blue screen when it tries to turn playing, it doesn't feel very good. <laughs> nope. No. This was awesome. Yeah. Uh, really fun discussion. Uh, I'm super excited to, I don't know, try to track down the occasional taste test. Yeah, yeah where do you even and, get those? You I, don't. They, they, yeah. There were a couple of the 91 ones were on sale on, on Discogs, and it was someone in like the Netherlands or something, and he was sell, he was charging something like 100 euros for Holy it or cow. something, which just unbelievable. I wouldn't have mind getting a couple of, I mean, it was like, yeah, even, yeah, I guess it would have been 91. It was before I'd, I'd gotten mm-hmm. into it, but uh, uh, yeah, not a chance. <laughs> yeah, Not something I paid $2 for once. There's no way. Yeah. No, <laughs> We're all being very careful around these cassettes. Uh, yes. yeah, right now, are, I'm very they're, nervous they're, yeah, looking at them. The paper's falling apart, and yeah, these would be very, very hard to replace. Absolutely. And, they have, and, and as you said with the dubs, they have an immense sentimental value to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Chris, for sharing these with us and Thank uh, you. talking about sort of how you got into noise and well, shit, even the Connellys and just all of yeah. it. Yeah. Thank you. Can't wait till you teleport here again. Sounds good. And thank you, Ron. Just, you know, for everything. Thank you. Absolutely. You've been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 17 years. By Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices. And by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra. And your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at noise extra. On the web at noise extra.com. One E in those. And on Twitter at Noise Extra with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to Noise.